Here's what's coming up on today's show. And it's just nice to have a way to know if the decisions that you're making are good, right? Yeah. And and when you like I said before, when you put those metrics and numbers to it, it gives you confidence that you're doing the right things. Welcome to the Retirement Cafe with certified financial planners Dan Reese and Brent Oliver. At our cafe, we believe your retirement plan should be life-giving and custom-made, just like a hot cup of coffee. Here in mid-Michigan, with an office in Jackson, the Retirement Cafe is open for business. Well, hello and welcome in. Today on the Retirement Cafe, we're going to discuss the benefits of monitoring financial vital signs and how they can have a major impact on a family's long-term planning. Dan and Brent, welcome in. This seems like another interesting topic today. What do you mean by financial vital signs and, and really how might that be helpful for financial planning? Yeah, the, the concept of financial vital signs has been around a while, but kind of originated what we're going to talk about today. There was actually a certified financial planner that used to work with primarily with dentists. And so they had kind of complicated situations. And uh, in order to make planning easier, he created this these kind of different ratios where yeah. they take different financial um, measurements and you know income, expenses, debts, all these different things where they were created. And uh, what, you know, what they were experiencing and it helped them to identify areas where they could yeah. work on. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times that's, that's the thing is I think a lot of people think, well, there, I have, I have all these areas that I could improve upon, but how do I even begin to prioritize them or, or do any of those types of things? So when you start to put metrics and numbers on things, I think it's just easier to be like, well, I know this one's way out of line and, yeah. and really important. So I need to work on that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely simplifies things. And so what we're going to talk about today are kind of four core areas or, or of metrics, if you will. So we're going to call them financial vital signs. And uh, we'll kind of go through those. Number one's just around risk, right? Everybody talks about risk. I think it's one of, especially this year, yeah. markets are down. Yeah. So yeah. everybody's like risk, risk, risk. So, But it's not just investment risk. You can also have risk in the insurance coverages you have or your estate right. plan. Right. So if you don't have any estate planning, that's obviously a risk. If you don't have the right amount of insurance, whether that's disability or life insurance, that can be a risk to your financial plan. And then the next one we want to talk about is, you know, are you using your, your income wisely? Yeah. Right? So right. like, where is that money going? Um, you can spend it, you know, how much is going to savings, spending, debt, and taxes, right? Yeah. It's so, a huge area to understand that because I mean, that's, that's kind of finance 101, but actually that's an area that I think a lot of people really struggle with because it's like, oh, go, you know, track everything you spend. And that doesn't always yeah, work. I mean, right. that could be really difficult. Um, next thing is really your mix of assets. And so when we think of assets, you know, thinking about things like money in the bank or money in different types of investments, money in real estate, maybe you own a business, right? Right. So how does that look for you as far as how your assets are spread out across those different areas and they have measurements and ratios in that area? And what's the And then finally like the last one and I think this is this one people can probably re understand really well is just how much wealth do you need to make work optional? Yeah. Um, and so you know like what does that look like to get to a point where you no longer are required to work. You may right. still continue to work, but you're, you you could live um, comfortably off of what you've saved. Yeah, and Brent and I like we we keep working to, to use the word retirement less and less because a lot of people don't nowadays don't necessarily really want to retire. They might just want to make a change. Right. So in order to do that, that's important. You know, are you financially independent? Can work be optional where you can really at that point 
not sit on the front porch yeah. in the rocking chair, but really just do other things, right? And so, yeah, I mean, overall, the, the, the gist of this is that it can really be helpful to identify problems that might exist, areas that you need to work on, um, and really a, a starting point to tracking what you do over time, like moving yeah. forward. Yep. Uh, because I think a lot of it is is that, you know, money's so complicated, people just throw up their arms so much. They're just yeah. like, forget it. I don't know. I'm just, you know... I'm not going to even worry about it. Yeah. Hear no evil, see no evil. And it's just nice to have a way to know if the decisions that you're making are good, right? Yeah. And and when you, like I said before, when you put those metrics and numbers to it, it gives you confidence that you're doing the right things. Well, one of the things too, it's funny because I was reading a book recently and they were talking about, we live in a comparison world. Like really what people want to know a lot of times is, well, how am I doing compared to most people? Right. Which is funny, right? Yeah. Because we always want to make sure... We're competitive by nature. We want to make sure that we're doing okay. This is such a great way when you start using these uh, financial vital signs to really measure where you are and where maybe you should be in those different areas. Because, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I, that's just what it is. And I'm like, well, what if that's not just what it is for everybody else? And right. it's just for you. Maybe then you can look and go, oh, well, maybe I need to dig a little deeper. Maybe I can make a change in this area. Well, that's a great kind of background on what financial vital signs are. Let's talk about them now. Um, what's the first group, the vital signs that we need to be monitoring? Yeah, this is all around risk, right? We just mentioned that a little bit earlier. But, you know, more or less, there's three areas that we want to look at, right, Brent, when you talk about the yeah, risk section. Yeah, and so equity um, rate, which this is just how much savings of your savings is invested in stock. Yeah. Right? So, like, you want to make sure that you have an appropriate balance of, of stock exposure. And that depends on a lot of different factors, but, um, that's, that's the number one. Yeah. Measuring how much, what percent you have yeah. in stock, yep. right? Because that's really important. Brent and I, it's funny, we, we've talked about this before and it is really hard for a lot of people is they look at accounts separately. Yeah. And so what our goal on these financial vital signs is to pull everything together and then say, what is your actual, in this case, stock exposure? Right. Cause you might find when you add everything up, it's not nearly as high as you think. Right. Yeah, and we see we see that all the time, right? There, where maybe they are really risky in just one account. Yeah. Right. But then they have a ton of money in the bank or right. something like that, and it's like, well, you know, you really only have thirty percent of your net worth in stocks. Right. Or, right. Yep. So that's that equity rate, and the second one's estate status, which is a you kind of a thing. So when you think of estate planning. Um, it's kind of a unique area of finance because for most people, depending on if you're, you could have extenuating circumstances, but for most people, there's kind of some basic estate planning documents that everyone should have, right? Yeah. You think of things like wills and you think of durable power of attorneys and healthcare directives. And anyway, there's these other, these, these lists of things. And so really estate status is all about how many of those things have you done? Right. Right. And how many of those have you completed? And, and it is unfortunate that, you know, estate planning is really a difficult thing we've talked about on other shows because people don't really understand it. So a lot of people don't do anything. Exactly. So this kind of gives you an easy way yeah. to look through and say, Hey, which one of these things have I done? Oh, I just need to mark these off and get these things done. So if something were to happen to me unexpectedly, I'd be okay. Or, I mean, a lot of this just goes to, I think it's really important to talk about is just, I don't know about you, but I, I have checklists of stuff, whether it's at home that I need to do or at work. And I mean, it's, it's nice mm -hmm. to check something off the list. And yep. so when you have, when you're, when you prioritize things, you're getting things completed, it's a step in the right direction. And that's what a lot of this is, is a lot of things that you're going to do. And we talk about this a lot on the show is that 
financially, it's not like you're going to make one decision that's going to that's going to have changed your whole right. situation, right? right? For most people, it's just doing a lot of little things over a long period of time to improve your situation. And that's what this kind of helps yeah. do. And th- and I think that's a perfect example there with the estate status is because it's just like, well, you know, hey, I got my will done, check. You know, I got this done, check, mm-hmm. right? And so that's great. And then the last one in the, in the risk measurements is insurance rate. And this is just, I talked a little bit about it earlier, is how much insurance do I have compared to the recommended amount that I should based on how much income I have, how much I'm spending, and and how much net worth I have, right? There's there's different measurements of of determining how much insurance you should have, and that's what this one is. Yeah, yep. And it's funny what you're talking about the checklist. I think about a lot of this stuff really has a lot of similarities to your annual physical with the doctor, right? Because there's certain things they check off. Hey, have you had your eyes checked lately? Have you you know what? Right. Did you get your flu shot yet? Yep. And things like that. But they also measure what's your current blood pressure. You know, they take your blood and what's your cholesterol levels and all these things. It's the same concept because then what do they turn around if something shows up that sticks out? That's the thing you need to work on first, right? Yep. So, yeah, it's really interesting, the similarities. So, you know, once you kind of benchmark each of those areas and you've kind of checked up on those vital signs, what, what actions could you take based on the findings? Yeah, so we're going to talking just about the um, the risk measurements right now, and I mean, give simple examples. Like if you looked at your overall assets, we kind of mentioned this in, and you looked at your equity rate, and you said, "Hey, I'm 35 years old, and my equity rate was 25 percent." Right. Right. That would probably be a sign to say, "Well, we need to take a closer look at that." So, what's the reason behind that? Right. You know, and there could be a reason behind it because you. I'll give you an example. You could have a big um, expense coming up, like a down payment on a house. So you might have more money in the bank that's not invested versus money in your 401k that's in stock. Which would be a a reasonable reason to have that amount of cash. But in another situation where maybe that same individual just doesn't have enough risk exposure in their 401k, right? And so you want to identify those areas and make sure that you're working towards them. And then we talked about this with the risk of your estate documents is, looking at what what's done and what's not done and, yeah. w- and what areas need to be addressed. Yeah. And then around insurance, I think the biggest thing is like the scoring process helps people under understand, hey, do I have the right amount? You know, because it's doing the math for you. So, so many of these things, what happens is, is that um, people don't take actions around finances because they're not sure, like number one, if they need to. Right. Right. So yeah. like if you get some simple measurements and say, hey, like, that your score is here, your score is there. Hey, you're 98% on insurance. Hey, wow, I'm better than I thought. Or maybe I'm 40. And you're like, whoa, what's right. going on? What did I miss? Right? Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's really good. And it, and I think a lot of these things as we're working through this, it's all about peace of mind really around money. You know, once you measure it and you're like, okay, I'm good or, or I need to fix it, you know. Right. And that's huge. And it gives you action steps. You know, I mean, if you know this is an area that you can work on, we've already given some examples. It gives you an idea of what you need to do to improve that. Yep. All right. So we've gone through the risk group of financial vital signs. What's the next area of vitals you feel are important? Yeah. The next one's all around income. So like you think about what do you do with your income? There's only four things, right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. So you can obviously save it, which is one of the things we talk about a lot on here, mm-hmm. right? Um, spend it. Yep. Right. Spend it towards debt. Yep. That you've already taken out or drum roll on the last one we all don't want to do is pay taxes with it. Right. So that's pretty much what you can do with your money. Yeah. And it seems simple, but what's interesting about this, and I just read another book, um, 
this uh, guy that does a lot of financial coaching in New York, he has set up guidelines for kind of where you should be in these areas because a lot of people don't know. Right. They're like, is my debt too high or is my, am I saving enough? You know, taxes are one of those that you're a little bit limited on, right? Well, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's some definitely some strategies and we talk about them all the time on the show, but there, yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's like, it's not like you're going to completely avoid that, that area. Right. right? And so you're going to pay taxes. It's just making sure you're doing it an appropriate amount. And a lot of times you're stuck with what you're left with. You are. Yeah, exactly. All right. Are there any recommendations on how your income should be allocated across these four different areas? Yeah. So that's kind of where it started to talk a little bit about is there are some general guidelines and this is the thing about money. And as we work through these, there's a little cautionary note, everybody's different. Yeah. So there can be different reasons why you'd be out, outside these areas, but these are good kind of benchmarks to say, Hey, how am I doing? And the first one, you know, we talk about the goal for savings rate really should be 15 to 20%, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to get to that point where you're making work optional, I think it's a pretty pretty good way to, and this, that we're not saying that that has to all go into a retirement account. Right. 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 So there may be other goals that you have, but you should be saving around that 15 to 20% of your income. Yeah. You could be putting some money in a savings account every month. You could be putting money in your 401k, a Roth IRA. There's all different savings, but when you total them all up and you compare it to your income, that's that goal of getting to that 15 to 20% range. Next yeah, thing, and then go ahead, with sorry. debt, I mean, yep. the, and a lot of people I think struggle in this area are, country does right right is just understanding how much debt is is appropriate and so you look at it um debt compared to your income and somebody that's in a low range 10 to 15 percent of their uh payments would be going of, of their of their monthly payments would be from the of of their income how yeah many, yeah help me say this day. yeah so i mean no <laughs> let's think about it really simply if if a household made a hundred thousand dollars right so what that's saying is ten to fifteen thousand dollars towards debts the low end. Exactly. Right? Yep. And if you're in the middle of that, it may or average, it's around twenty to thirty. So you think about that. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars, twenty to thirty thousand dollars is gone, right? Right. On debt. And when you get up into the high part, which is like forty percent and up, that's really can cause a lot of problems yeah. long term when that much of your paychecks already gone, right? Yeah, because I mean you start adding those up if you're saving 15 to 20% and you're in 40% going here to debt, that doesn't leave a whole lot left for that next category we're going to talk about. Yeah. And right. I would say your savings probably isn't that, you know, that's, right. that's yeah. what suffers. Yeah. You're sacrificing. Yeah. Cause you're probably, I mean, you have to have your regular spending. Yep. Right. Yep. Got to eat. <laughs> and so thing. regular spending will, I mean, this differs greatly really depending really a lot on how much income you, yes. you make. Cause if you can, if you have a ton of income, you can probably you're probably on the lower end of this in most cases. But the range of spending, like how much of this of your income you're spending, is somewhere between like a thirty to seventy percent range. Yep, and that makes total sense. Like you think about, so I think just to talk a little bit about what Brent was saying, higher income it's going to be lower because many of us have the same fixed costs. You know, like we got to put gas in our car, we have to heat our house, have you to know, eat, yeah, there's clothing, cer- yeah, there's certain things. Now, if you're in a higher income level, you might spend more on clothes or you might, right. but the reality is your your fixed costs that we all have to take on don't change that much, right? And so it gives you more room to, you know, as a percentage of your salary. So if you're 30 to 70%, obviously, if somebody's on the low end of the income scale, they're probably spending 70% just to get by, right? right. And that's why sometimes it's hard for those people to allocate more money to savings. 
because they're just exactly. trying to pay their bills, right? right? So it's kind of important to understand that. So um, we talked a little bit about taxes, but the tax score, there are things you can do. But our biggest thing with the tax score is, is being aware. Like out of that, I use, use that $100,000 example. You know, and this is easy to figure out because you literally can pull out your state and federal tax return and total up what was my total right. tax for federal, what was my total tax for state, and you get a pretty good idea, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, you can get into the weeds, but we don't think that's a great idea and get all oh, FICA and all these other things. But the real big picture is you're just trying to figure out rough numbers where the, the four areas are being filled, like right. how much is going to each one of those. And so when Dan talks about total tax... It's important to know that's not how much your refund was or right. how much you owed at tax time. That's how much your total annual tax bill was, say, for the federal government. Two completely different things. Yes, yes. And it's, um, I think it is on your return. There's a total Absolutely. tax. I mean, we actually have some software that I love where we're able to put a tax return in and it creates this, you know, couple page report that breaks it down in a much yep. easier way to uh, read it. So if you're ever struggling with your tax return, that's one thing. Reach out. We'd be happy to run a report for you because I think it's super valuable uh, for families to see those real numbers. Yeah, and you can reach out averywealth.com or 517-783-1695. All right, so that's all really, really helpful. Um, let's move on to the third group of financial vital signs that you'd recommend us tracking. Yeah, this is this is net worth area, right? So what's somebody's net worth, right? What's a simple de definition of net worth? Well, it's your assets basically minus your liabilities. Yeah, what right? you have less yep. what you owe, right? Yep. Yep. So that's so, pretty straightforward. Yeah, so we're trying to figure out like what, you know, what you're worth in, yeah. in this area. And so um, we're, we're going to look at four different areas in this also. And so we're looking at your liquid funds. So that just means cash and and other maybe investments that are that are liquid yeah right? non-retirement right? yeah non-retirement accounts yeah you can get bank them tomorrow account, if you brokerage to. accounts trust accounts whatever those are things that you don't have you don't you it's there's no penalties to access or there's no rules behind them as far as that goes yeah and then you've got your qualified retirement funds which is honestly if you look at americans that's where most of the money saved that's why people that don't have 401ks can be really challenging to save because it's 401ks are just easy. It comes out of your right. paycheck. You don't even think about it, right? But that's where the most uh, most savings goes in America, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the next one's real estate. Yep. And so this could be your residence or if you have rental properties, second homes, all those types of things. Yeah, and keep in mind your real estate, the portion of your net worth that's in real estate would be, if you wanted to kind of subdivide it, it's the value of that real estate less whatever loans you have on it, right? So if I had a $300,000 house, but I had a $100,000 mortgage, you're basically that's going to assign $200,000 towards your net worth. Exactly. Right? So it's good to understand that. And then if you happen to have a business, um, you know, the one thing we always caution folks on with businesses is that sometimes businesses are very, are marketable and you can sell them. But a lot of times businesses aren't as marketable as you'd like them to be. And so it is important to monitor it and say, hey, this is kind of what it's worth. But on the other side of the coin, you don't want to put too much into it, right? Because exactly. you're not yeah. sure how much it may be worth at the time you're, you're going to sell it. So does it matter what percent of your net worth is in those different areas? Yeah, I mean, it can. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And it, this really has to do with your family and the, and the goals that you have for yourself. 
Um, so we want to start with saying that. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is you could you see people that are financially successful in all different ways. Like, for example, I've got a friend that's big into rental real estate, right? So a big chunk of his total net worth is in real estate, but it's rental real estate. So it's producing income for him, right? If you had a bunch of, um, and so that plays into this, if you had a bunch of real estate, but it was kind of speculatory real estate, like I'm buying land by the highway, hoping right. Walmart well, comes yes. along. Yeah. That's not producing income for you. That would be different, right? Right. And so you're, you're and think of it in this way, is the rental income that you're getting, obviously you're getting income off of that. The other one, you may not be able to sell very easily, even if you were, even if Walmart doesn't come along, even to get what you paid for it out of it yeah. may be a challenge. And you have expenses along the way. So that's good to understand that. But you know, the reality is, is if you look at most people and most families, as you progress towards financial independence, more of your assets should be really in liquid things, you know, like retirement accounts, cash accounts, investments, because you can easily create income out of those, right? right. And the goal is to re, re, uh, replace your earned income with passive income from what you have. And rental real estate can definitely play a big part in that. So that does apply. But if you have real estate that really, like your home's a great example. Right. Your home is, you know, it is a wonderful asset, but the truth is it really is an expense because you can't turn that into income because you, not very easily, because you got to have a place to live. Yeah. Which around here and where we live, that's not as common, but there's lots of places in the country where the majority of someone's net worth is wrapped up in their home. Yes, Yes. Right. And so, I mean, like, it's it's very important to yeah. understand that. And as Dan said, to begin to transition away from that type of a scenario at, at the closer you get to leaving work. If, yeah. And so when you look at these areas and you look at your measurements and what percentages in each area, then you need to match it up overall with your goals and say, okay, do I need to make changes? So I'll give you an example. Like you have that vacant piece of property. You might say, hey, I need to get that up for sale because I need to get more of that money into things that can provide income for me, right? Could be a rental property, could right. be regular investments. There's lots of things, but that's what's nice about once you get that organized and laid out, then you can look at it and see, hey, is it match up? And do I need to make any changes? All right, it looks like the fourth vital sign isn't really a group, but a way to measure an area that is the biggest concern for most savers. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's kind of a single measurement. It's really that financial independence measurement, right? That's a that's kind of the optimal vital sign of why we probably plan in many ways, right? Right. Like I think if you look at most people, they'd say, "Hey, my ultimate goal is to make work optional for yeah. all this stuff, you know, and make sure I don't make any big mistakes along the way." So as you work through that, and and really, financial independence score is pretty simple, you know, from a from a high level. It's, hey, what's the annual income, you know, or, or should I say, what's the total assets that I have divided by the annual income need that I have for my expenses? And you could say, hey, where do I sit? You know, do I have 10 years of income in my net worth, right? Right, right. So you're just looking at what you're worth mm -hmm. and how many years that could provide for you, yep. right, is what is what we're doing here. And it and it's that's a really really important figure. I think a lot of people would find a lot of value in that. Yeah, because it's kind of easy to understand. Like I've saved up five years, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. My net yeah. worth is five years worth of income. Now keep in mind, some families when they first start out, especially if they have a lot of college debt or something like that, that might be negative. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, because well, if your net worth negative, then obviously it's negative. And a lot of a lot of young people 
especially like you said, that have taken on a lot of student loan debt, maybe. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt and you're 25 and you haven't saved yet to any retirement accounts, you're, you're, you're going to be in the negative here, but we do have some goals, you know, that are, yeah, they're kind of age, age related. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times and you may or may not be in this area, but five to 15 years of, of, uh, Income, right? Income, basically, yeah. out of your net worth when you're 35 to 45 years of age is is probably appropriate. Yeah. And it just kind of goes up from there, 15 to 25, your score from 45 to 55. Once you get 55 and up, you should really be 25 and up with that score. And that just kind of means that, hey, you're you're tracking to truly be financially independent. And if you can do that with, when you're younger, great. The thing to remember about that, which I we've talked about, you know, not to geek out too much, but like a lot of it has to do with your spending, yeah. right? Because that's a bit, you know, if you're spending, if you're like, no, you know what, I can live on this, a lower number, that means with the same number of assets, your score is going up, right? Right, right. So you can either increase your assets or you can decrease your spending to change that score. But it's important that uh, those are the two factors that you may be able to have some control over. Well, as always, this information is great. Um, so once you get all your financial vitals calculated. Where do you go from there from a planning standpoint? Yeah. I mean, the big thing, right, is to prioritize, Brent, you know, as you look yeah. at those things. Yeah. And this gives it a really easy way to do that because you, you, you're you looking for things that are out of line, mm-hmm. right? And so when you, like I said earlier, when you put a number to it, it's easier to identify those things. Yeah. Like some examples, you know, you might, you might look at your debt score and say that's outside of where, you know, it's on the high end, right? Like right. we talked a little bit about where that should be. You might say, hey, I'm going to go to a Dave Ramsey program. I'm going to get this under control. Yeah, because you talked about that earlier. Like what's what's likely to suffer there is your savings rate, yep. right? If, if you have so much debt, if 40% of your income is going to debt payments, it's not leaving a whole lot left to save after you, you've spent the money. So you, you need to prioritize that area and get that under control. And then once you have that under control, obviously you look at your savings rate and see if that's appropriate, if you're in that 15 to 20% range. Um, and if you're not, what do you, what can you do to, yeah. to start, to start getting to that spot? Yeah. What are good options, right? Yep. Which is savings options, but you at least know what you want to do with that. Um, and maybe you don't have enough liquid funds. Like a lot of people don't, you look at it and go, Oh man, I don't have enough liquid money. I don't really have an emergency fund. Right. You know, I've got a lot of like, that's a big risk because if something happened with illness or, or loss of job for a short period of time, that's where you're yeah. going to go. And and so, you know, you see it over and over because people are short on that. They leave a job and they liquidate an old, like a 401k. Right. Right. Instead of saving it yeah. like they should be. Yeah. And the other thing too, and we, we work with a lot of families and so we see this, but when you don't have those liquid assets, you don't have your emergency fund in place, you have a lot more stress oh, around yeah, your finances, right? Sure. I mean, and the whole idea with this is to make good decisions so that you can have peace of mind. And that's just a really key area. Yep, yep. And really the thing is, once you have that, the second key point is it gives you a spot to start measuring. Yeah. So like I always say, you know, like let's say you'd never stepped on the scale. Like you've never weighed yourself, Right. Well, the first time you do it, you might be like, whoa, that was unexpected, right? Or, you know, most of us probably could lose a few pounds. But once you do that, now you have a starting point. So if you start doing some activities, you start trying to eat a little better, you can measure how you're changing and improving. And there's so much power in that because it gives you confidence that, hey, what I'm doing is working. I'm, I'm making an impact. And so Brent and I are huge believers in basically prioritizing action steps and then measuring consistently yes. over time your results, right? 
Yeah, and it's just simplifying it and giving you those priorities on a day-to-day basis, like what can I work on that's going to improve my overall situation. Yeah, I think it's great for sure. Well, a lot of good stuff to digest here in this episode of the Retirement Cafe. As we always do, let's take a minute and summarize everything we've talked about today. Yeah, I mean, overall, money money and finance can be complicated. And so what it leads to is inaction quite often. Like people just don't do anything because they're overwhelmed, right? So if you can find a way to simplify things and say, hey, I'm just going to score myself in these major areas, the key areas that that really are going to lead to long-term success you can then start addressing things one area at a time, right? So it's simpler, like, hey, I'm just going to work on this. And that's how you make progress. Um, And there's more and more certified financial planners out there that are kind of taking this approach of measuring through these vital signs and then working through to help you identify simple things that you can work on to have consistent improvements. And overall, I mean, we feel like this approach is easier to implement for a lot of families, which means it's going to lead to more success. Because when you implement things, No matter how slow you start, it could be very simple things. Once you get traction and you start growing from that, you're going to implement more things and you're going to continue to improve. And that's the name of the game, right? Exactly. Always taking a step forward. That's the goal. So hopefully today's episode of the Retirement Cafe will help you do just that. If you have questions for Dan and Brent over at Avery Wealth, you can find them online, averywealth.com, or you can call them directly at 517-783-1600. Nine five. All right, guys, thanks for taking us through these financial vital signs today. As always, enjoyed the insight and look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good, Ben. Avery Wealth, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training, and the content of this communication has not been approved or verified by the SEC or by any state securities authority. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information about Avery Wealth and its services. It is not intended to offer investment advice. Investment advice will only be given after a client engages our services by executing the appropriate investment services agreement. Information regarding investment products and services are provided solely to read about our investment philosophy and our strategy. You should not rely on any information provided on our website in making investment decisions. Market data, articles, and other content in this podcast are based on generally available information and are believed to be reliable. Avery Wealth does not guarantee the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. Avery Wealth will provide all prospective clients with a copy of our current form ADV Part 2A disclosure brochure prior to commencing an advisory relationship. However, at any time, you can view our current form ADV Part 2A at advisorinfo.sec.gov. In addition, you can contact us to request a hard copy.